HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. And welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexa Santos, a food editor at the Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Throughout season four of the Feed Feed podcast, we will be trying to help you solve the daily question that we are all faced with what's for dinner? Each week, we will be speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community who are a constant source of ideas and inspiration and help us get dinner on the table every night. Today, I am joined by Priyanka Nike, a.k.a. Chef Priyanka. Priyanka is a self-taught vegan chef, Food Network champion, TV host, and soon-to-be cookbook author. She cooks in a way that weaves in her Indian culture and travels into her recipes, while also emphasizing sustainability and zero-waste cooking. Check her out on her social platforms, at Chef Priyanka. Welcome to the Feed Feed podcast, Priyanka. I'm so excited to have you here. Hey, Alexa. Thank you so much. Gosh, what what an intro. <laughs> The expectations are high. Let's just, let's bring them down a few notches. No, we set the bar high. You will live up to and exceed them. I am absolutely sure. And congratulations on the book coming out. I guess soon to be authors. I mean, you are an author. The book is just, what is the deal with it? It's on, it's pre-sale or what's the current situation? Yeah, so uh, my book, The Modern Tiffin, is going to be on sale November 2nd, which is actually World Vegan Day. So it's very fitting. Um, And it is currently on pre-order sale. And that's with the P-R-I, obviously, because things are not grammatically correct. They're cute, P-R-I order. Um, (laughs) But it's on pre-order now. And we are in the final stages of getting everything into production. Um, This is obviously my first time writing a book and and being published and it's it's such an interesting process I will tell you that it is it is like a whole it is a whole other world oh my gosh I can't I literally cannot even imagine it well congratulations we're all very excited for your book the modern tiffin to drop so in the meantime I want to hear so many things about you I have been kind of 
learning about you over the last few months on social media, on our various avenues that we're all that we're connecting. <laughs> but I I'd love to know more about you and kind of your your upbringing and your culinary history. So tell me a little bit about like food and family and, you know, what was your childhood like as far as I know you have a, an Indian background. So were you learning how to cook Indian dishes when you were little or what was kind of your culinary upbringing, so to say? Yeah, so I am born and raised on Staten Island, aka the forgotten borough of New York City. Literally. The borough that, yeah, the borough that like no one really knows about, no one's been to, and everyone's like, oh, I've driven through there. It's like, okay, well, that's great. Um, (laughs) But I I grew up there, um, born there, um, grew up with my family, and we, uh, so me and my sisters are first generation Indian American. My parents immigrated to this country in the late 70s. Um, and it was just, it, it was very interesting because unlike other, um, Asian kind of ethnic groups where a lot of them grew up in Queens or let's say New Jersey, where they're in communities of, you know, people of their similar background or own background, mine was very, very different. You know, everyone who surrounded us was either Italian American or Eastern European American and, you know, very conservative from political view standpoint and even like a religious standpoint. So we just kind of didn't fit in really at all, um, which made growing up a little bit difficult because that is the nature of being a different person in a, in a place that isn't, you know, similar to your background, but it actually what drove me and my family to be much closer and also much more in tune with our culture. So I actually grew up, um, learning my native language of Canada before English. I traveled to India every single year of my life because my whole entire family was still in India. It was just, we were the only ones that were really here. Um, So I I was just as much Indian as I was American in a way. Mm -hmm. And the food aspect of our life is what really kind of kept us in touch with our culture in addition to the language and the travel. So both of my parents are very, very good cooks. My mom in particular is a very creative and excellent cook. And she would not ever let us leave the house to school without like a very extensive packed lunch. And I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about like a Lunchables or a bologna sandwich, but you know, something definitely more intricate and Indian inspired. And we would always eat a different type of cuisine actually every day, whether it's something that we made at home um, or we were, we were, we had the opportunity, we were blessed to travel a lot. So we, we've traveled the world a lot and have eaten different cuisines. So I kind of grew up in that environment and just kind of loving food and eating food and using it as a source of comfort because I was sort of surrounded by a place that didn't necessarily embrace my culture, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've heard, you know, that kind of story from, you know, people of different backgrounds. And I always kind of compare it to that scene in uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding where she has the the moussaka at lunch and all the kids make fun of her. Like, I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with that scene. Yeah, I'm like, oh my exactly. God, it must have been just like that. But, and then now that, you know, we're you're an adult, I'm sure like, your all your friends and you know people that you know are like oh my god your food's amazing like I want to try more of like the type of food that you're you know as we grow up and you know our palates become more I guess enhanced now it's like oh my god yeah not that I ever would have bullied you (laughs) when we were little but you know those people grow up to be like 
you know, huge fans of like the type of food that, you know, you probably brought to school way back when. So what were some of those like dishes or like Indian inspired staples that you kind of grew up eating when you were little? Yeah, so that's a really good question because the other kind of, I guess, unique factor about my upbringing and who I am is most of the Indian people that are in the States or kind of in the Western world are either Punjabi, which are North Indian or Gujarati. And I don't fall into either of those buckets. In fact, we're like way outside of any of those, those types of Indian people. So even like the Indian food that you get in restaurants here, um, stateside, it's, it's not what we would eat at home. So it was just like different all around, which is another reason why we were so like, I guess, in touch with our culture and food because we cooked all this sort of different style of food at home. So some of the things my mom would pack for us would be like a Bombay sandwich with a mango juice. And so it would be like, yeah, it's just kind of, it's very simple. It's, it's, regular like white bread that is usually toasted and there's a green chutney on it, which is usually made from green chilies and fresh coriander and lemon juice. Um, And then you have thinly sliced potato and cucumber, tomato, a little bit of chaat masala, um, which is like salty and savory. Um, And sometimes you can melt on some cheese. And so that's a, it's a very typical Mumbai like street food dish. That sounds delicious. Um, yeah, so that was a sandwich she would make for us a lot. Um, there was there's another dish which is very popular for breakfast and lunch, and we call it oiliki, but it's called poha in the more like mainstream terminology of it. And mm-hmm. it's it's moistened flattened rice, which is uh, sautéed with turmeric and green chilies and black mustard seeds and fresh coriander and onions. Um, and it's very yellow in color and it's a very hearty dish because it is rice based. Um, but it packs really well because you don't have to really, you, you can eat it at room temperature. It's not one of those things that like needs to be served hot or, you know, needs to be ice cold. So it's really great for kind of mobile travel or, you know, to take to school for lunch. Um, yeah, so we 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 had so many different sort of dishes, and both that I mentioned actually by default are vegan. Yes, that's what I was about <laughs> to ask you. So, I've, you know, your whole story of why you you know became and are a vegan chef is so fascinating to me because you, I, I guess, explain it like you always kind of were vegan without trying, or so much of your cuisine was that, or what's kind of the the story there. Yeah. So when growing up and, and still when we when I when we're all together and we eat like our style of cooking is is pretty much vegan by default. And we just never called it that because it was just called food. There was no such thing as like, oh, this is vegan. There was usually like veg or non-veg, you know, that's kind of like how it went. But the our style of cooking, the style of Indian we are, most of our dishes are very light, like they're all sort of sauteed style um, very quick to make. There's really no dairy or creaminess in our dishes. There's a lot of rice-based dishes, a lot of like heavy on the vegetables. Like we, we eat all sorts of vegetables and legumes and everything is generally sauteed with a lot of different spices and fresh herbs. And we eat it with chapati, which is like a thin round, uh, bread, which is similar to what you guys may like refer to as roti. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, all of it, all of it is vegan. Like there's literally no, sometimes when we eat raita and stuff, which that'll be dairy based. 
Um, but even that now we can make with coconut yogurt and almond yogurt. So we don't even have to have the dairy portion of it. But we grew up eating like that, which which is the direct inspiration for me to to kind of evolve into the the vegan chef that I am today because I really didn't have to teach myself new stuff, right? Like I had been living my life like that um my whole my whole life. I grew up like that. And in fact, we didn't eat any meat and it was only until we were a little bit older that we started getting introduced to chicken and seafood mainly because there was no options. Yeah. Like I'm not sure if you remember, but if you were much younger and you would go to a restaurant or go anywhere to eat, like there were literally no vegetarian options. Yeah, like, chicken for, tenders, yeah. like yeah. that was it. <laughs> yeah, so like we had to, unfortunately, and I say that because we wouldn't have to if there were options, but we kind of had to unfortunately adapt to eating chicken and a bit of seafood and stuff here so that we would be able to assimilate into the culture here and have options for ourselves. And also like, if you think about school trips and hanging out with friends and stuff, it's a way to also be involved in those activities without having to be like, oh, well, I can't partake because, you know, I can't eat anything, which usually would be the case. So, yeah. So I I used to eat chicken and seafood actually up until um, about 15 years ago now. Really? So as you kind of grew up, why was it important to you to kind of lean further into, I guess, being vegan rather than just, hey, this is what I'm used to. You know, I guess I'll dabble with, you know, chicken or seafood if I must. Like, what was that decision like for you to be to say, hey, I'm going full vegan and I'm making that conscious choice? I stopped cold one day about uh, 15-ish years ago. Um, I did it for environmental and ethical reasons. I never really liked meat. It was just like not, I never like, I wasn't like craving chicken ever. It was just, it was just kind of part of life because, okay, now we eat chicken. So like, you know, there's more options for me at a restaurant, you know, when I eat chicken or, or whatever. Um, but after, to be honest, doing some research and watching one too many documentaries and one too many PETA videos, um, I, I like always was an animal lover. And I was like, I can't do this. Like this is, I don't even like it all that much. And I care far too much about other beings and, I just stopped. And so a lot of people think it's for religious reasons because I am Hindu. And like, yes, within Hinduism, you really aren't meant to be eating meat. You're not really meant to be harming another being. And and I do believe in that. But I didn't go vegan because of that. I went vegan because like those philosophies happen to align. But I went vegan because I just couldn't find myself to be treating another being with harm. Um, right. Because I just I just feel that every every being on this earth should be treated fairly and with respect as you would want to be treated. So I was just like, nope, not for me. And then I just stopped. Wow. So that was, you said 15 years ago. Have you been, I guess, pleasantly surprised? I would say like from my perspective, veganism has become, you know, trendy, but also I feel like more and more people, like you said, have caught up, you know, seen those documentaries, like I've considered it myself, you know, I watched a documentary and was like, Oh, this is it. But I just kind of never did it. Are you pleasantly, 
I guess, surprised that so many people are kind of starting to lean more into that? Or is it not surprising for you because it was always logical to you? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everything is going to take, everything is going to go towards being a trend at some point or the other. If it didn't happen in 2015, it's going to happen in, you know, 2020. It just, it's just a matter of time. Um, I, I'm not surprised. I knew that like, it was going to shift towards being more of like plant forward, plant based. Like there's just going to be so much more education on it. Um, and I, I just think, especially after the pandemic and what we've gone through, it's raised so much more awareness on kind of just how, um, how responsible we are for the world and what our actions can lead to. And even throughout the pandemic, I've seen people convert. And my mission, yeah, and like my mission is never to, I mean, you've seen my stuff and we follow each other. And like, I, I, my mission is never to, shame someone into you're very you're very like open and approachable about it which I totally respect it's like it's in a way of like hey if you're considering going vegan or if you want to try some vegan dishes I got you but no shame if not which I love that about what you do yeah and I think it's the the reason why I do that is because I do have empathy for people who don't have my background right like I happen to grow up within a culture and a family that had exposure to all this like delicious food that didn't have to have any meat. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not the way the Western world works. Like it has been ingrained here that, you know, you need to have a, a, whatever, a big chunk of meat or like protein at the center and then a carb on the side and a vegetable on the side. That's what's been taught here. Um, It's just easy for me to not, even look at that as my plate of food because I never had to, because I come from a different background. Um, So that's why I approach it in that way, because it takes a long time for someone to learn and adapt and understand, oh, wait, there's like all these other ways I could be eating. Like I could be looking at food in so many different ways. It doesn't have to be like that. Um, And the the one thing that I do hope people do and I think they're doing a better job of is just educating themselves and just being more knowledgeable about what's on their plate I don't think people do as good of a job of that but again you know my my job is to educate through entertainment which is what I strive to do and I hope that you know that value is there but I'll never shame anyone and I will never show them a PETA video even though I do think <laughs> you're thinking about them. it yeah you're thinking about it you're, you're you're like real close like one day you're gonna just whip them out I think you're right on the cusp <laughs> I'm like don't don't piss me off no. yeah yeah just wait oh my god that's hilarious so with your cooking style and your kind of veganism and you know as when you decided to kind of go cold turkey you know 15 years ago how has your cooking style evolved. I mean, you seem to have a lot of, and and you've leaned more possibly into like the sustainability and zero waste aspects of it. Like how has you as a cook grown over time? Yeah, that's a great question. I think like every day almost I, I learn something new. And I think that's the awesome, wonderful thing about being a cook or chef is that you're constantly learning. Like if you have an open mind, you can learn something new every day. Um, 
So for me, my cooking style has evolved as my life has evolved. And by that, I mean, I travel extensively. So every new country I go to, every new city I explore, I come away with some sort of learning, whether it's how they treat their produce, a new style of cooking, um, their agricultural practices. And I try to bring those learnings back home and weave them into my recipe development because I... I honestly think like we in America do live in a bit of a microcosm of like the world. And it's, you know, it's it's not the end all be all here, you know, like we really should be learning from other cultures and vice versa, right? Like I think everyone should be knowledge sharing and learning from other cultures. And I certainly understand that not everyone has the opportunity to go and travel and do the things that I've done. So like I use those opportunities in a way to kind of like bring those learnings back and then weave them into my dishes. So um, I, and that's exactly kind of like actually going back to my cookbook, like that's exactly what it talks about is, yes, I grew up a certain way. Yes, I'm from a certain background, but I'm not gonna just pigeonhole myself into that, right? Like I'm an individual who has the opportunity to learn so much about different cultures. So I'm I'm going to like, maximize that opportunity. Um, So my style has really evolved, like in the sense of just my repertoire of ideas and dishes that I put out there. Um, And I actually started Chef Priyanka more on the baking side because I'm an avid baker. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's how long ago was that? Like, when did you start this? I have, I've had my blog for about 10 or so years now. So like, yeah, I, I mean, I have a huge sweet tooth. So I was just like, la, la, la. Like I was always baking oh because gosh. I wanted the treats. But then I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be eating like 15 cupcakes in a week. So maybe I should <laughs> like expand. Well, yeah, vegan baking is such a, a niche in and of itself, you know, like that's, yeah. it, that totally makes sense. And especially if you got into doing that, you know, 10 years ago, you were really on the cutting edge of that whole realm of food media. Cause that's, you know, you were really... Like I, I call myself like a quote unquote, like hipster on certain things. Like, yeah, I was into Aperol spritzes before they were cool. That's like you with being a, yeah. <laughs> a vegan baker. You were like way up, way up there. I know. And it's, it's really actually cool to see that there are like, when I started baking, um, there was minimal, minimal options for me of like, you know, vegan cream cheese, like vegan mm-hmm. sour cream. Like a lot of that didn't really exist. So it was a lot of like, janky hacks of like yeah. you know trying to come up with um like substitutes because yeah. you were fighting it, the good fight <laughs> yeah yeah and now there's so many there's like a plethora of options and I'm just like wow <laughs> like, I, know. I know well I guess better late than never when you get right down yeah. to it, <laughs> it could, right it could be worse yeah and so you were baking and then obviously you've kind of taken your travels and your learnings and, you know, combine that into just kind of expanding your your repertoire of cooking. And it's been just every you offer such a wide variety of recipes and dishes and things for people to try. Um, so but that's what you're teaching, I guess, the audience. What what are you eating? What is Chef Priyanka <laughs> eating for dinner each night? How do you approach that question? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, what I currently ate, I actually did not make, which was I had an everything bagel with 
vegan scallion cream cheese and fresh jalapenos, which again, did not make that. I purchased that. Um, I, I'm very moody. So my dinners, uh, really just depend on my mood. So I generally cannot have the same cuisine every evening. Oh, same. Um, yeah, cause, yeah, cause it's just boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> but I, I love actually repurposing leftovers and oh, I know you, you, you are the leftover queen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll take things like, I, this is going to be like controversial coming out of an Indian person's mouth, but I'm not a huge fan of rice. I'm like actually not <laughs> a big rice eater. I know it's very, I feel like any Indian or Asian person yes. saying that is just like blasphemous. Yeah. I just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's, I just, I don't know. I'm just like, eh. I'm like man about rice. So, okay. but well, I always, <laughs> I always have like, some sort of rice left over, whether it be like me making it to accompany a dish or me getting like, let's say some sort of Chinese or Thai takeout, something like that. There's always going to be rice. So I love repurposing that into different dishes. So like one evening I will take that and make it into a loaded veggie burger with pinto beans and flaxseed, which I like mixed ground flaxseed with water to make like an egg substitute. Mm. Um, I mix in coriander seeds, red chili, some vegan mozzarella, um, mixed veggies. Like you can basically put anything in. Really? And then I make little burgers out of it with the rice and and then I sear it. And then I like pairing it with the fresh coriander garlic chutney on like a toasted bun with some cucumber and tomato and carrots. That I'm a huge amazing. bread eater. Thank you. I'm a huge bread eater. Like I'm definitely a breaditarian. That's good. like part of my identity. So <laughs> <laughs> there has to be some bread involved somewhere. Of course. So you, obviously that kind of opens up a whole other topic with you, with your, you know, kind of sustainable mission and, you know, zero waste cooking. So that's, I mean, you preach it, but you also practice it. It sounds like, like that's something you're kind of thinking about and, you know, working on in your own home every day. It sounds like, huh? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge tree hugger. Um, I don't even know if people use that term anymore, I know, but, but like, I've heard that forever. <laughs> yeah. I, I am like, uh, I don't know if you remember that like Lizzie McGuire episode where she like, she was like a tree hugger for one episode and she like was wearing like a burlap bag or something. I don't know if you remember. That's, that's literally like, you. Oh my God. Yeah, it's like me. Um, but like, like, let's just pretend a little more trendy, you know, just a little, a little cooler, but yeah, yeah that's me. a little me. more hip. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, I think the sustainability piece has definitely become much more important in my life o- over the past, I would say four or five years. But that's only because like, it's, it's so crazy. It's like, it's like an angel and devil situation when you do research. What is that called? It's like when you do when you're I sometimes I wish I was blissfully ignorant to things. So I could just be like, la la la. But it's just really hard to be especially if you have the philosophy that I have for like food and and the planet. So I just Mm -hmm. constantly do research on these things. And the amount of things that we use in our day-to-day that are detrimental to the environment, it's shocking. It is like 
it's just horrible. So like for, for about four or five years now, I've stopped cooking with palm oil. Um, yes, there are certain products and brands that say they source palm oil sustainably, but I'm talking about palm oil, not red palm oil from Africa. That is different, but palm oil that is generally sourced from Southeast Asia and like Indonesia Uh, The reason why palm oil is used a lot in snack foods and products is because it has long shelf life. It's it's cost effective for the brand um, and it's easily accessible. That doesn't mean that it's not detrimental to the ecosystem. So to source palm oil, they basically it causes a lot of deforestation of the natural habitat um, without, you know, without protecting the animals. So like animals, animal species have been like wiped out in this, like orangutans are like endangered and stuff. And I'm sure someone listening to this is going to be like, oh, I don't care about the orangutans. But it's like, that's not, it's not whether you care about a sloth or orangutan, it's what the, it's the impact that that animal has to that ecosystem and actually ultimately back to us. And so because it's not actually sustainably sourced and it causes so much harm, um, once I learned about that, actually from the Beyond the Flood documentary by National Geographic and Leonardo DiCaprio from like four or five years ago, (laughs) I stopped using palm oil. But the crazy thing about this is that if you look at any food label, um, you'll notice that there's palm oil in everything. Really? I've never even like, I mean, you hear about high fructose corn syrup and stuff like that. I have not heard this about palm oil. Yeah, it's insane. So- I've stopped cooking with palm oil. Um, I tried to source all of my like ingredients from pr- business practices and agricultural practices that I know are sustainable. I try to support um, local farmers and also urban farmers. So like you're you're in New York, so you know this, but like there's a lot of urban farming here, right? Like rooftop mm-hmm. farming, vertical farming. And their practices are incredibly sustainable because they use minimal water and the water is recycled and they can grow crops that are pesticide free. So it's all organic, doesn't need to be washed further, and they could grow it year round. Um, So people like Gotham Greens, Bowery Farming, like all those, um, Farm One, we have a ton in New York. Um, I love to support urban farmers because I think what they're doing is really incredible for the environment. Um, and then things like composting. So figuring out ways to compost in the middle of Manhattan, which is yes. not easy because we don't have backyards, but you know, farmers markets accept compost. Um, there's like soil sites where, you know, you can place your compost. Um, and then like the biggest thing, which I think people can do, which is this repurposing leftovers piece, which I constantly talk about. Um, Because I understand all the other aspects that I just mentioned are like for, you have to put in the effort to do it. That's the thing. All of these things I'm talking about, like they're all effort driven. Mm -hmm. So if you're not willing to put in the effort, like there's going to be, the outcome is going to be null. But the repurposing leftovers thing to me is so easy because everyone has leftovers and everyone needs to eat. So this is like, it's almost, it's the easiest way for me to educate people on how they could be more sustainable is like zero waste cooking. Um, Because especially in America, over 40% of food supply itself is wasted. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I, you hear about it. And like you said, it's almost like, 
good and bad because the less you think about it, the less it stresses you out. But then, you know, mm-hmm. if you do want to get educated and informed about it, it does, you know, the it is relatively staggering. So that is, I mean, you're just, you have a lot of initiatives on your end that you're pushing for. So I, I totally get it and support it. And it's all, you know, teaching people about it and kind of raising that awareness to people who haven't thought about it or haven't done that research, just kind of shining that light on things is, a great thing you're doing, my friend. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, it's, I don't know, it's just also fascinating to me um, that it, there's just so many things in this world that you just don't know or you're just taken for granted, right? Like when you go into the grocery store and you buy XYZ, you're just buying stuff, right? You're not like, oh, let me think about where this is from. Let me sit here and read the labels and like, no one is going to do that. Someone like me is going to do that, right? Because yeah. I'm like obsessed with this stuff. So if I'm going to take the time to do it, I guess my premise is like, then why shouldn't I share this knowledge? Um, yeah. So to just make it easier for others. So like this extends, as you know, to like sustainable fashion, which is like a huge thing for me. Like I'm all about sustainable fashion. So um, that's another area that I think is so fascinating once you start digging into it. Fascinating in a negative sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> for better or for worse, yeah. you get into a wormhole on that. And geez, yeah, that's a whole other, a whole other can of worms and just, you know, it, I, yeah, I mean, I admire that, you know, sustainability is something that you're thinking about in every aspect of your life, whether, you know, your living situation, your eating situation, your clothes situation. And it's, a uh, it's very cool, very admirable. So awesome. Um, real quick, we're just going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a cheese landian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. And Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a Cheeselandian, I am able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected, and I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to cheeselandia.com. All right, Priyanka. Um, next question for you is tell me a little bit about some ingredients you always have in your kitchen. I know you have kind of, you know, some Indian-inspired stuff you're always cooking with, but what are some Chef Priyanka kitchen staples? Ooh, good question. Hmm. Many, many staples. Yeah, probably a lot. <laughs> Let me think about this. Um, so I am a huge proponent and and cooker of of spices, like whole whole spices versus ground spices. Mm-hmm. So some ingredients that I always have on hand that I cook with very frequently are cumin seeds, fennel seeds, and coriander seeds, and dried red chili. Um, because they're obviously shelf stable and they're a really, really easy way to get a lot of flavor into your food without trying so hard. Yeah. And do you see, do you find that those make a big difference in the flavor of, of your dishes, having the whole spices? 
Yeah. And yes, because I don't think many people realize that even dried spices have an expiration date, right? Like just because it's not a fresh herb that's wilting doesn't mean it's not going rancid and bad. Like spices have natural oils um, and fats and they will expire. So I personally stay away from a lot of ground spices. I do work with a lot of ground cumin and all that kind of stuff, but I use it so frequently that it's usually not sitting, you know, in my, on my shelf for a while. Right. But I work with whole spices more because um, they retain a lot more flavor and they have a lot more of their natural oils. So once you grind them down, and I only grind my spices down in a mortar and pestle. I don't even Ooh. own a spice grinder. Yeah. Um, You're going for it. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm hardcore. So, yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're up in the kitchen grinding spices all day. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. I got, a, I got a lot of anger to release just yes. learning about palm oil. No. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I grind them down fresh before anything that I'm making because it's that much more potent from a flavor standpoint. You have a lot more of the natural oils associated with it. Um, and it's actually very, very common amongst regional Indian cooking to cook with whole spices. So we do a lot of tempering of spices or what is commonly known as tarka or what we call in my language, wagarni, which is heating up oil really hot and then um, throwing in whole spices, like whole cumin seeds, whole coriander seed, whole black mustard seeds. Um, and you flash fry it essentially into that hot oil and temper them. Um, and then you pour it into, you know, a chutney or a dal or any sort of dish that you're making. So, so that's why I have whole spices on hand and, and I do think it makes a difference. Well, good to know. I think you might, uh, you might have me convinced. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my One gosh. converter. Yeah. My gosh. I mean, geez, say no more. All right. I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> and then tell me who, who are some people who inspire you? Oh, hmm. Another fantastic, like in general or from a food standpoint? I guess, yeah, I guess both. I mean, obviously this is a food podcast, but if there's, you know, <laughs> we're in life or food or both, I mean, a lot, those, those two things probably go hand in hand when food is, you know, a big part of your career and day to day. So, Yeah, it's interesting because there's actually not, I asked that because there's actually not a lot of like food specific people or chef people who inspire me and I sound like a bad food person right now yeah like damn but like <laughs> but like like I know like let's say a, a very common answer which is a good answer but a common answer would be like Anthony Bourdain right, right. and like of course that although I think he's awesome and did a lot for the culinary world and just the entertainment world in, in general like he's not someone who's inspired me directly right um because because just because my whole upbringing in life is just very different. Um, of course. So I, yeah, I have, my cheesy answer is certainly my parents because, Aww. because like they, if it weren't for them being very like strict about us being in tune with our culture um, and being very particular about food and kind of all of that stuff, I don't think I would, be doing any of this stuff now, right? Like, oh, I don't, sure. I don't think I would have the perspective I do on the culinary arts and and cooking, and the importance of what you eat every day for every meal. 
Um, so certainly them, but there's a lot of non-food people who have inspired me and, and taught me about the broader industry just from me, like reading their books and watching, watching like their documentaries. And so I did bring it up, but Leonardo DiCaprio, obviously not a chef, but he is like a humanitarian. He's an environmentalist. Like I've learned a lot about, well, everything that's kind of going on with the environment and where I can place some more of my efforts to help through watching a lot of his content and his documentaries. Um, so I think I would say like, that's had a huge direct impact on the way I cook. Wow. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. I would have I not guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then I would say another one would be, um, Michael Pollan because I've read a lot of his books and so it's, I've learned through his work, a lot of the, you know, how our country works from an economical standpoint and how it impacts the agricultural world and why, let's say, America subsidizes corn versus any other crop and what that means for the output. And again, all of this stuff is like really not happy it's not like happy positive <laughs> stuff but I've learned a lot right yeah, so it's important it's guiding you and what you're doing and your mission so I get it yeah so so that's what that's what I meant by like does it have to be like chefs and food people because like to to be honest I think one of the reasons why I'm so pursuant of being a chef and being on tv is because I haven't seen anyone like me right, right. like there hasn't been someone that I can relate to on TV that is like, oh, you know, she's my inspiration. I would love to like be like that. It's like, no, I literally haven't seen anything like that. So I'm like, okay, like, I think I need to be there. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, then, so yeah, that, then you're yeah. your own inspiration when you get right down to it. <laughs> I mean, God, I, no. But I mean, <laughs> I think I probably just read too much depressing stuff. And then I'm like, oh, oh my God. God, the world's falling apart. Yes. You're like, I need to do something about this. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it's, you're right. I mean, there is, I, I cannot think of any vegan Indian chefs that I see on TV or, you know, I guess there's Indian chefs like Artie Sakara and stuff like that, but without the, yeah. you know, leaning as heavily into like the sustainability aspect of it. So um, yeah, I totally, that makes perfect sense. And now I have maybe the hardest question of this entire thing. So we're going to play a little game of F Mary kill. And I picked three <laughs> things that I, I truly genuinely believe you will have a hard time deciding between. So F Mary kill avocado, mango and bread. Um, that's a Chef mm -hmm. Priyanka lineup right there. Yeah, yeah. This is okay. So, what was it? Avocado, mango, or bread? Yes. Okay. So I would. Okay, I got it. I would. You got it. <laughs> yeah. Very important. Like, uh... This is the hard hitting <laughs> stuff. This is investigative journalism right here. <laughs> Seriously, God, put me on the spot. Um, yes. I would F bread because really? there is an addictive quality to it. Okay. Wait, wait, we're using F in the terms of like, like you know. sexually, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. I was like, wait, are we using this? Yes, I would F bread. 
Okay. Because there's like an addictive quality to it. And I feel like it, it gives you like a, um, like, it's like just, it's like short-term satisfaction. And then it's like, and then like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I want to marry it though. You know, I don't know if it's good for me for long term. I thought you were going to say marry it because you love it so much. No, it's like, it's a, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, it's lust. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would marry mango because they are generally dependable. They're usually, um, you know, good color, good taste, fiberless though. I don't want the fiberful one, the fiberless mangoes I would marry, Um, you know, and they're just, they, they get my culture. They get me, you know, we're all from the same place. We're like, cool. Yeah. And then I would kill avocado because I'm actually not a huge fan. Really? Okay. Interesting. I would have not guessed that. Mm -hmm. I would have assumed as a, as a vegan chef, you'd be all over the avocado. I know you'd be shocked to know that there is only one recipe in my cookbook that involves avocado. Wow. I know. That is, that is genuinely surprising. I dropped the ball on that one. No, no, no. You should watch the documentary Rotten. Then you'll see what I mean. Oh, see, God, another depressing documentary. Jesus. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I won't be eating anything ever again. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, I want to know, but I don't. I. Oh, my goodness. Well, last question for you is how often do you grocery shop? Oh, very good question. Um, I actually, I'm not a bulk shopper, so I probably shop more often than most people. I shop like uh, for for the, like maybe day of or day before for dishes I know I'm going to make or develop um, or like a mood that I'm in. I'm just not a bulk shopper because I don't like um, buying things and having to go to waste sure. in, the, in the fridge. And I also try to avoid going to the grocery store hungry because that has been very problematic in the past. Yeah, sure. Um, so I would say like at least once a week, once okay. or twice a week. Mm-hmm. That's pretty normal. And I mean, if you're not if you're not even really having to shop in bulk once a week, then you're doing something right. I mean, talk about reusing leftovers and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, but that's the point, right? There's so much opportunity right in your kitchen without having to like constantly go to the grocery store and spend money. Yeah, well, I mean, if and you're obviously making it work and you're really leaning heavily into, I mean, and you're developing recipes and you're making content with food all the time. So if you're able to shop once a week and- you know, not let things go to waste and really maximize, you know, that grocery shop. And that's, you know, that's an inspiration to me. I'll tell you that much because I shop once a week and stuff is always going to waste or I'm like, oh my God, I need to make this. And, you know, I'm not even really in the mood for it or, you know, whatever it may be. So um, yeah, I guess you just got to kind of get more creative and think a little deeper about what you're buying, I guess. You basically, you're going to leave this session with me like um, just reflecting on all the depressing documentaries that I've shared. Yeah, my gosh. (laughs) For better or for worse, like great combo, great stuff. Like I have to rethink everything I've ever done in my entire life. (laughs) Change everything about my habits, but it's okay. It's all good. Um, Yeah, I mean, I obviously, you know, support all of that. I actually have an environmental policy and culture minor um, from – you know, my college degree. So I am pretty knowledgeable on the subject, but it does, 
it's like you said, it's an active thing. It's not like a passive thing to focus on sustainability and, you know, in your daily life, because living like the, having the creature comforts of, you know, the Western world, you're, you know, you really have to put the effort in to kind of make those changes. So if anything, you know, it's an inspiration to me and I hope, you know, people listening to like maybe take a deeper look at what it is that you are doing and, um, kind of think about it. Cause like, it's like, I'm knowledgeable about it, but again, like you have to, you have to put in that work to kind of take those steps to improve your situation as it comes to sustainability and how you interact with the, with the planet. Right. Yeah. And I think the, I guess the one thing that I would love people to take away from this is that even though I said all of this and probably have depressed half of the audience that's listening to this, <laughs> or like, I, I don't want it to seem, the whole point of me putting content out there and even speaking on here is not only to raise awareness of it, but to also show that it, it's a lot easier than it seems to incorporate some of these habits into your day-to-day. Um, like, again, the repurposing leftovers thing, like, that's like, you don't really have to think much for that. Like, it's just about, it's just about being more conscious of what you're doing. Right. And instead of like delving into old habits of just like tossing things that you're not interested in anymore, like, well, no, how can I think about this in another way? Um, So I think it's just about thinking creatively, being more thoughtful about your habits. And it's, it's much easier than it seems would be, would, would be my hope and what people take away from this. Well, that's encouraging and an uplifting note to end on Priyanka. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's thoughtfulness. You're right. I mean, it, it, it can be effort or it can just be kind of that thoughtfulness and mindfulness about what it is that you're doing and um, what you're tossing, what you're reusing, what you're, you know, what ingredients you're using. So um, that's an awesome takeaway and a wonderful note to end on. So Thank you so much for being with me today, Chef Pri. And I, it was an absolute delight. I learned a lot as always. Super fun chatting with you. And um, for everybody who was listening, thank you so much. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Feed Feed. And don't forget to follow Chef Priyanka at Chef Priyanka on all social platforms and Check out her book, The Modern Tiffin. (laughs) If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur who has helped you solve that question of what's for dinner, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from our listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.